Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Huzefa. And today we are shining a spotlight on a career path in particular. And we're going to talk about that career. And we're going to also talk about how mathematics is an important part of that particular pursuit. And what we're talking about today is something that I think is super cool and super interesting and obviously very, very big on the list of things that young kids like, and that is video games. I don't play a lot of video games nowadays, but when I was a kid and even when I was in college, I loved video games, played them all the time, and in fact, that was the motivation, that was the motivator, the primary motivator for me to go into computer science. And the coolest class I took to this date uh, in at the University of Michigan was a video game design class. It was awesome. And I remember that's when my professor told me that, hey, most kids actually go into programming because they want to be video game designers. So today I have a really, really special treat for you guys. I have Howard Marks joining me. And Howard, just to give you a little bit of background, Howard was the co-founder of Activision, which is the Goliath of the video game industry. And he served as chairman of Activision Studios from 1991 until 1997. He was also the, the founder and CEO of Acclaim Games, a publisher of online games that is now part of the Walt Disney Company. Today, Howard has moved from video game development to venture capital, and he is the founder and chairman of Start Engine, an equity crowdfunding platform and the largest startup accelerator in Los Angeles. So it's a really great honor to welcome Howard Marks to the show. Howard, how's it going? Doing good. And you? Very good. Very good. So I'm super excited to have you on. And and the reason why we're having Howard on is because... I want to try a a big part of the show is going to be having different professionals from all walks of life to come in, talk about what they do. Also, you can just hear Howard's story because it's it's a fascinating story, but also to show you exactly how mathematics plays a role in the real world. Because, of course, as a teacher and a, a tutor, the question I get asked the most is, why do I have to learn this? What's the relevance? And there's a lot of relevance, and I'm going to try and help you see that with real-life experiences. So, Howard, if you could start us off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you studied in university, and, and all that. Well, like you did, I studied at the University of Michigan. I went into the engineering school and studied computer science. At that time, it was quite early. It was in the 1980s, early 80s, and they had one computer center on campus. There was no Wi-Fi. There's no ability to to use computers anywhere else than in the computer center. In fact, they were using punch cards, which is a way to program a computer with cardboard cards that are punched with holes. And I saw that, and I said, you know what? This is not working for me because I used to have an Apple II with a little thing called modem in it, which allows you to connect on a phone. So I went into my dorm room and hacked the phone. And with a screwdriver, I was able to pull apart the phone in my dorm and connect my Apple II. And next thing you know, 
I was able to actually program and do my assignments for school from my dorm room. It was at that time unprecedented. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. So, so basically, you you were able to connect your computer through the phone lines at that time, and then submit and then submit your work. Yes, and all the phones were like this rotary dial, the old style phones. Yeah, absolutely. I was able to submit my work, and I actually did pretty well because the other kids had to go and spend their time in this. Um, computer center and, and stand in line waiting to get their cards uh, read by the computer where I was typing away. So what, what attracted you in the first place to engineering and moreover computer engineering? Well, interesting. I started out in high school, the last year of high school when I was a senior, I was able to get an Apple II machine um, just at the end and became obsessed about it. And I started programming little games in it that were fun to play, they're simple. And I believe that this was going to be a career path for me. So I wanted to study computer science and I got into Michigan and I decided to join the computer science uh, de uh, de department in the engineering school because they had uh, amazing courses on how to program chips and how to build computers and also how to create um, I would say real-time programming, which was what games are using. And so just, I want to make sure I follow that correctly. So it sounds like the one, one of the sparks, if not the primary spark was actually playing a game yourself and, and being attracted to that, to it from, from a consumer standpoint. In, in some ways, yes, because when I grew up and, and when I was in high school, we didn't have video games. We, we didn't have it. It was not out yet. And, and I, I grew up in France and they certainly didn't have it. And just then in high school, the first game came out called Pong, which was a, a way to play this, this, this Pong. It's like a little tennis game on your TV, but the French TVs were not compatible with that machine. So we were not able to get it, but I, knew those games existed because you would go into, uh, you know, cafes and see some pinball machines and sometimes some early on Pong games and we started playing it. So I, I was intrigued on how this works. So I would buy magazines and read about it to learn. And then the way I learned programming at that time was through a, a magazine. They had a cardboard tear out where you could tear out the cardboard design and it would teach you how to program assembly language, which is this basic grease. You talk right to the microprocessor, all in cardboard, no computer, no keyboard, no screen, just on paper. And I learned it and I felt passionate about it right away. And I said, you know, this is something I want to do. That's how I convinced my dad to buy me the Apple II. And then I decided to make a career in engineering. That's really cool. So what now you've you've sort of been an entrepreneur from a from a very, very young age. What motivated you to to take that route where you started your own business versus versus joining another company or, or a video game company? I never thought of it the same the way you're you're explaining it. I never said to myself, OK, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I want to start my own business. That that was not how I saw it. What I saw was, hey, um, the computer market needs new software. And I had an idea for a new software product that I wanted to make. 
So I started designing in my head initially, and then I started trying it out on paper, then on the screen, and programming it. And my roommate at that point was watching what I was doing, and him and I would play games all the time, but I would tell him that I wanted to make this software. And I read articles in, in a, a magazine at that time, which was very popular, called Byte Magazine, about how the new type of software that will come out will be visual, graphics and mouse, and that didn't exist at all. There was, there was never, you know, there was no Mac. Macintosh was nothing. And I decided to pursue it, and we decided together to start the company. I see. So it was more of a, hey, I see, I see an opportunity, and you wanted to take advantage of it. I, I just wanted to do it. You just and, wanted to do it. And so my my partner, he was my roommate in college, and he went out and found some money, and we started our business. Okay, so I want to I want to steer the conversation quickly back to just being an engineer at Michigan. Uh, of course, I deal in mathematics, uh, mathematic education primarily. I work with kids all over the place and, and all sorts of levels of math. I, just from the standpoint of being a computer engineer major at Michigan, what role did mathematics play in your curriculum or how important was it for you to have a firm understanding of general mathematic concepts? Well, I think it, it was very important. Uh, we had math classes that were required and we had to take. And these were massive classes where you had 250 kids in, in a class and you just had to do it. And I enjoyed it personally because I felt that it was something that I, I felt comfortable doing, but I also found some challenge in it. So I did the math and I also knew that I could apply some of those concepts for um, how you would calculate in, in games Simple things like physics, speed, velocity, or how you would rotate an object on the screen, a graphic object that would be visually um, design, defined in three dimensions. And all those things, you need math to do that. That's right. Okay, so we're talking about, we're basically talking about when we, we're rendering these various images, various objects, and we're using mathematics to make them, correct me if I'm wrong, to make them move and simulate them in a way that feels real and feels authentic. Is that, is that roughly mine in the ballpark? Right. So if you, today you have a, a phone and you see games on the phone and, they, and, and you have graphics moving around and you have things rotating and you have projectiles being shot at and they, they feel real, they feel pretty authentic. And all of that is because of the math behind it. So, I mean, I did, of course, I was a computer science major myself. I never did any video game development outside of the video game design class I took. But one of the things I like to think about when I'm thinking about math and coding is that even even though sometimes the, the relationship might not be super direct, like, for example, the simplification of rational functions might not always be something that you're coding or trying to replicate in code. But I think that all, in addition to the, the strict math knowledge that you need to have, there's a lot. There's a huge relationship with respect to the problem-solving aspects. I remember I would spend nights and nights in in the computer lab, essentially trying to 
troubleshoot a particular area, trying to find my er error in code or trying to find why, why I was getting compilation error, whatever it may be. And it's very similar to trying to break down a math problem and and figure out what step at what step something went wrong and how to fix that and how to how to remedy the issue. So in, in that respect, I see great parallels as well with mathematics, just from the pure problem solving aspect. So now let's go back to your your first idea. You said you wanted to start a company. So, what was the what was the official what was the official first company or I guess first project that you that you launched? So the first company name was Arctronics, and the A R K were a mix of um, our our initials and name. And we decided to call it Arctronics. And our first product was a product called Jane, the first name Jane. And it was a way to make the Apple II look like a Mac. You, it came with a mouse and it had diskettes, which is where you put programs on. At that time, it was not a CD, ROM, or DVD. It was a diskette. It's a lot smaller. And we were able to build a software that will allow you to do word processing spreadsheet and database all on a visual screen in graphics with a mouse and no one ever saw that before on a personal computer or any computer and it, and we shipped it about a year before the mac oh wow that's amazing so and it was and who who were your who are your customers or who were how how are you getting it out to the market well we wanted to make computers easy to use at that time all the computers where you, you were required to use your keyboard to type in commands and line by line. There was no visualization of anything. And we wanted to make it easy, so we created this product that when you put it in your Apple II, which was a, a computer that was in an early phase, you were able to now uh, visually see on the screen everything you're supposed to do, where you type a letter or, or, or do a spreadsheet, it was really early, and, and keep in mind, the Apple II had 48K of memory, which is 48,000 bytes of memory, where today, that would be, if you took a browser and you saw a logo on a screen, that's the size of the logo. <laughs> so it's incomprehensible for someone today to even imagine running a program in that level and the size um, of a regular iPhone has 16 gigabytes of memory. The Apple II had 48,000 or 48K of memory. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a thousands of times smaller. And so had you, had you formed or tried to form a partnership with Apple as far as trying to move your product or get your product out? Well, we didn't know how to do that because, you know, we were, what, I was 21, 20 years old. We didn't know how to do that. So we went and decided to sell this product directly to all the little stores that were selling the Apple II. They were, they were called Apple II dealers. They were, imagine, little computer stores around the country. And we got hold of a distributor who would buy, you know, a thousand copies of the program and then pay us for that. And they would sell it to the stores. There was no online delivery because the online did not exist. The internet was not created yet. But then we showed our product at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, 
and applesauce. And so we got a call to come and meet Steve Jobs and, and Steve Wozniak. Uh, that was in 1980, late 83, beginning 84, just before the Mac was shipped. And we got to meet him, which was amazing. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so that was awesome. So you went to CES, and that's that's a huge, huge consumer electronics show still still uh, still going on today. I think it's in every every January. Or so. I went in two thousand and fourteen, but so that's where you went, and you got the connection with Apple there, and then things I assume began rolling from that point forward. Well, not exactly, because when the Mac shipped a few weeks later, the entire market stopped buying the Apple II machine and they start buying the Mac and we were within a year pretty much out of business. Oh, I see. Okay. And then at what point after that, how far along the line then after that did you decide that you wanted to shift to something in, in the video game industry? So a few, a few years later, I would say about five years later, we were doing, still doing software for different computers. And we realized that we wanted to build a bigger business. We're doing well, but not that great. And so we decided to get into the video game space. So in order, how do you get into video game space when you don't know anything about it? We found a company that we wanted to buy that was virtually bankrupt called Activision. And that in 91, we were in 1990 actually we were able to buy control of that company for virtually i think for four hundred thousand dollars and and start from scratch and that's how we got into the space so we we didn't think we could start day one let's just make a company we wanted to get something that was already formed i see so it came with it came with developers programmers and all that all the infrastructure it did but we didn't have enough money to to be able to afford these people. So we had to um, lay off most, most of the staff and, and start from scratch. I but see. we had a library of titles and a brand name that was well known in the market. Um, so we were able to leverage that. So now you've, now you've got Activision and you begin, you begin trying to move the existing games or, or build new ones. What were some of the major roadblocks that you faced as you were, as you were going along? I mean, the biggest roadblock by far was we were having trouble hiring people. We couldn't find engineers who were either interested in working at Activision because they didn't think video games were that interesting. And that was still a beginning in the era of video games. So we had to be very aggressive in finding engineers, programmers, people who were passionate about games. And that was the hardest part. I, for, I think for people out there listening, because this might be hard for some people to believe that the video game industry didn't have enough enough allure at one time. And I can tell you, even from my experience, I remember in 2000, I think it was in 2002, at this point, the... The, mo the movie industry at that time was still making more 
per year and video games were huge by then but still making more per money than the video game industry that of course that time has passed the video game industry now now dwarfs the movie industry but so now i, I guess we're rewinding even far even farther back where people probably just didn't see the promise didn't you know they thought they thought were thinking in more utilitarian terms and and that makes a lot of sense so when you now as a you know, having launched this video game company having launched another video game company and let's say from from the standpoint of hiring personnel, hiring hiring developers nowadays when people are champing at the bit to get into the video game industry, how does math how does a expertise or proficiency in mathematics affect it, for example in the human resources department? Are you looking for people with math? Why is that important? Well, it was because at that time we were working on a game called Mech Warrior, which was based on these big robots that are uh, a fiction fantasy robot. I have to I have to j- jump in. I love Mech Warrior. I know that game. <laughs> okay. All right, so sorry, we go ahead. Mech Warrior and we realized that it would be the first 3D three-dimensional game on the PC that would use these new graphics chips that were just coming out called three-dimensional chips. These chips were designed to improve the speed of the mathematics for calculating the three-dimension visual uh, animation on the screen. So if you imagine you see these these robots walking around, there's thousands and thousands of calculations every second, in fact, millions. And a regular PC at that time was not able to do it. And so the manufacturers of these, these PCs realized it, so they came up with these new chips that were specialized to compute these equations, these mathematical <laughs> equations. And so we needed someone to program it. So we didn't know where to find that. So we went to a place called the Jet Propulsion Lab. People call it JPL. These are the guys who put the rover on Mars. I mean, that's how smart these, these people are. And we found a programmer there, this guy, Dan, who knew exactly what we were supposed needed to do. I mean, he knew the math. He knew how to do the computations. So we were able to hire him and come join us. That is so cool. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, amazing story and amazing insight into how that stuff all relates together. Uh, we're coming close to the, to the end of the interview and the end of our time. What I wanted to ask you now, so for you guys listening out there, hopefully by now you can tell, uh, Howard is an extremely accomplished individual, entrepreneur, uh, developer, all that. So, Howard, I think if you do you have any advice for young students or parents of young students listening in as to what, you know, people and specifically people who are looking to either, let's say, either go into video game design or just be an entrepreneur. What are what would you what words of wisdom would you impart? Well, I, I think it's very important to understand technology so mathematics uh, computer science programming even if that's not what you're going to do as your main work and the reason is if you're going to start a company one day or you're going to be working at a startup a small company you want to have that knowledge so that you can either manage programmers or work with programmers or yourself become a programmer so getting uh, Finding the the passion for mathematics and being good at it is a critical 
opportunity for being a good entrepreneur. And and typically, most entrepreneurs you find, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, and you find the the two guys who started Google, um, and actually one of them actually is a Michigan grad as well. You'll see there's always one of them, at least, that is programmer, that is uh, a science-oriented person. And that is very important, especially today when you start a company, to have that knowledge. So there you have it. And it's not coming from me. It's not coming from the from the math specialist. It's coming from Howard Marks. So I hope that resonates with everybody out there listening. Howard, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. If you guys want to check out the show notes to the show, go to www.scalarlearning.com. And please check back with me on the regular for new episodes, which will be which will be dropping on the very, very regularly on all sorts of different topics. So please, and if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com and I will do my best to get back to you ASAP. Thank you again so much and we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar,